What's good? Johan Francis CSCS right here. This is Ego Killer. Inside the gym moves and activity so that when you're on the outside doing your thing, you're much stronger for it. Welcome to the show. We're here to talk and give you guys pieces of advice so that you can challenge yourself. All the little atomized nuances of working in the gym only matter underneath the umbrella of why. Why are we doing it? Why are we lifting? Why are we training? Why are we pushing ourselves to the limit? If we know and understand that, then it makes more sense why we care about squat form, deadlift form, all those forms, foot position, all those little nuances of working inside the gym. They don't mean anything unless you're trying to stay active. You're trying to attach yourself to a more global community. You're trying to make yourself a better steward of your body or share information. All that then becomes really pertinent. Okay, then we can care about why do I have to be, you know, exhaling when I press the bar away from my chest. Otherwise, it doesn't matter. Yeah, you can use your fitness as something recreational. Yeah, it can be something as an activity, something of a skill and a discipline that you get better at over time. But the interesting thing that I want you guys to think about is why are we putting on muscle and boosting our metabolism over time? Why? Why are we doing any hypertrophic type lifting inside the gym. What does that matter? What does that have to do with anything? Does it only mean something if I can wear a sleeveless shirt, you know, during those six months of years, if you're living in the West Coast or in the South or something where you get to expose those beating muscles, right? And those veins, right? Maybe you got the two-piece ladies, right? Women, and you're trying to do that. If that's your entire goal is to make it an aesthetic thing, all you have to do is show up and lift. But for the vast majority of us who want maybe some of that and more strength goals, that's why we have to spend time inside the gym getting stronger because boosting our metabolism because it keeps us around, keeps us healthy, keeps us active mentally, pushes away inertia. That's why we do this thing inside the gym. And if we have to spend that energy, being active and strong, looking for gains. Well, guess what? We have to then pay attention to certain aspects of the lift, of the kettlebell swing, where our foot position migrates to, why we have to fully exhale and stand up tall and brace when I do squats, when I do snatches. All those little nuanced, atomized things then matter quite a bit, don't they? And that's why we do it. Consider the last time you were inside the commercial gym. Maybe you were coaching with your favorite trainer. You were getting it in, working out, getting active. If you th- Have you ever thought about why they're doing exactly what they're doing? Have you thought about the complex calculus that went into this training regimen where someone's doing, you know, a left-footed, semi-squat on top of a piece of square foam what led to that decision right sometimes maybe you've been underneath the auspices of a trainer who's asking you to hold you know the cable cross machine with your right hand and then shimmy over to your left with your arm in a fixed elbow bent 90 degree position. Have you ever thought about that? Like, why are you doing it? And then maybe you even petitioned your trainer, commissioned, asked them and said, why are we doing this? I remember a long time ago, I was teaching a boxing class 
And then I got done teaching this boxing class. This had to be 15 years ago or so. Um, and I got done teaching this boxing class. And inside the boxing class, of course, I was teaching technique. I was teaching head movement. I was teaching foot position. It's very basic. And, of course, in my journey as a competitor inside the gym, I was still early on. I wasn't really into the mode where I was fully teaching people how to do a lot of their boxing. I was more learning myself. And so inside the gym environment, I was teaching. And so I just got done teaching people how to move their feet. I got to train somebody who wanted to strengthen her legs. And she was, you know, a softball or volleyball player. I forget which one. Um, but she was a college player. And so immediately my mind is still on the box of boxing. My mind is still set on teaching people how to move their head. And so I have her doing these over-under drills where she's ducking under a rope, kind of like what you see boxers do today inside of a boxing gym, boxing, boxing, boxing focused. And literally about seven minutes into this workout for her legs, and yeah, it might be working her legs, she stops me and goes, why are we doing this? Now, I'm a rookie neophyte inside the gym at this point, and I look right at her and I go, yeah, let's move on from this, trying to save face right quick. My excuse was that I just literally got done teaching a group of people how to box and move their feet, and so my mind was kind of still in that modality. Maybe I was trying to take a little bit of break on autopilot, didn't get enough carbohydrates at that point, and this lady, of course, in my inexperienced as a trainer i had not learned to stack workouts on top of each other and to shift foci real quick instead i had her doing a similar type warm-up well we got over that real quick she eventually got on the leg press machine and i got back to teaching full body strength right I use that example simply to say, have you ever looked across the gym and seen or been involved in your own training regimen and you questioned, like, why are we doing this? Or have you ever gone into the gym yourself and been like, yo, what am I supposed to do today? Where do I even start? What comes before what? What comes after what? Why are they doing that? And this is kind of a, th so that's what we're going to talk about today. And we're going to actually attack this, not just from a perspective of you being coached or you inside the gym yourself, figuring out what comes before what, but also as a bat signal to coaches, or maybe you know somebody that you're coaching, a bat signal that says, we need to solve a couple problems inside the gym. So we're going to solve your problem today. What comes before what? What comes after what? But also, we're going to figure out and solve for X, which is the workout orders that we partake in inside the gym need to be standardized a little bit more so that I don't look across the gym and say, why are they doing this exercise that stretch at all it's always kind of occurred to me that a lot of our warm-ups and the first things that we do inside the gym should pretty much be standardized there's always a reason to get warmed up inside the gym the warm-up should ostensibly be pretty similar this is easily solved for inside the world of body weight calisthenics training anything where you just do your body right 
anytime you're warming up, maybe you've been on one of those big reformers or you've done like a yoga or whatever, which again, this is something that is really more a lifestyle thing for you, you younger generations in your 20s, you're doing yoga even if you're like a fighter, even if you're doing grappling, you're learning Pilates and yoga. There's no barriers to entry anymore, especially when those barriers have to do with your toughness. Anyway, inside of those modalities, there is a definite kind of standardized warm-up sequence. There's a reason that you do X before Y, but then when I see you guys training for strength, I'm wondering why you've chosen to do certain exercises before that. You're, I literally see on your face you're saying what comes before what. And if you don't understand, you might not even be inside the gym. Okay. The easiest solution for this is to just get on the treadmill. But what are we looking for when we get on the treadmill? What is the first thing that I need to be doing to warm my body up? What comes before what? What comes after this when I'm on the treadmill or the spin? Should I use my jump rope or the sled instead of the treadmill? What am I looking to do when I first jump into the gym? That's the question that I need you guys to ask, and that's the problem that we got to solve for. A long time ago, I was training. This was about 12 years, 2010 to 2000. 12 we had a gym that had giant windows and the giant windows faced the main thoroughfare of this part of town that we trained in and across the street even though we were planting our flag before other gyms at this time because you got to remember this is different than the landscape now landscape now is if you got some bread you got an idea you have some time off you open a gym there's just no two ways about it. You don't open a dispensary. <laughs> you don't open your own paint store and sell paint, right? You don't open a woodworking <laughs> guild. You open a gym. So there's so many spots maybe in the town that you're living in where there's for lease signs everywhere. There's probably going to be a gym there in six months. <laughs> anyway, back then... Not the case. And so right across the street, these folks decided to open up a gym also. Now, this gym was a little bit different. And this gym actually helped me out a lot because where I met one of my coaches just by circumstance. Coach would go next. My future coach would go next door to these guys. These guys would give um, three grand worth of PEDs (laughs) and strength training advice to my coach and a lot of other people. A lot of meatheads up in there. A lot of leg press machines. Not much. A lot of machines in general. And, uh, yeah, that was the kind of fitness that you were getting there. And that is pretty much um, not anachronistic. That is very much of the times. Very different than what the gym would offer now is what I'm trying to say. All right? Anyway, from our big windows looking out into the street, we would see inside of their gym and their big windows. And, of course, pressed against their big windows were treadmills. And no matter what time of day, it could be 6 a.m., 7 a.m., 2 p.m., right? We would see some of the same coaches, if they were training, the first thing they would do, no matter who walked in there, could be homie with the question mark spine that's got to work on their cervical cervical spine posture. Or it could be an overweight lady coming in looking to lose some more pounds. It could be someone that was just meat-headed out that was doppelganger-ish to the trainer that 
they were working with inside of this gym that we later would dub treadmill fitness. The point is, everybody who walked in there jumped on the treadmill and the trainer would just disappear for like seven minutes. And oftentimes, not oftentimes, sometimes a trainer or coach would come back to their treadmilled client or trainee and um, check in with them, look down at their watch, and the continue the treadmill continuum would further itself for another five minutes. And I would look and watch and be like, yo, they're working out for 45 minutes. 30% of that was on the treadmill and the coach wasn't even there. We would call it treadmill fitness because people were literally paying to be put on a treadmill. And at like three, at like a speed three, by the way, most of them weren't jamming out. Why were they doing that? What comes after that? What was the whole impetus to just go to the gym and be on the treadmill? Nobody probably wanted to just be on the treadmill the whole time, right? So what was the speed? What was the math for the day? I would always wonder. I would always wonder. What were we trying to accomplish by that, all right? Why are we doing this? This question is valid and usable inside the gym. Why are you lifting versus doing cardio? Why are you going to take a break? Why are you doing that before this? This might be the most important question. It helps to qualify your trainer and vet their abilities, your coach. Helps to vet yourself. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about what comes before what. Because this should not be a barrier for you getting it in inside the gym. Number one, warm-ups should be pretty samey. If there was a world where I would look over and see a coach training their client or even a group of clients, because this is much more a function of when you see it inside of group training, it becomes a lot more doable. It would really satisfy me to see that everybody is doing the same type of warm-up in general. Everybody. It doesn't matter what coach you go to, the warm-up is the same. Inside of group fitness, that's actually often what happens. But the warm-up that you do should be samey, and it should be focused, meaning it should be the same every time you do the thing, all right? Every time you go into the gym, you do your warm-up, you should be doing the same type thing every single time. Some of us have got into the mode where we're taking the tiny little, I've seen a number of warm-ups, so sometimes people will take those little, the smallest five-pounder, two-and-a-half-pounders, and you start externally rotating. Or you do the beer can lift where you point the thumbs towards the floor. This is with much consternation apparently across social platforms. But you point your thumb toward the floor and you'll lift that that um, uh, weight up and down laterally to the midline of your body. So you're basically like flapping your arm up and down but your thumb's pointed down. Just pinching all the the... <laughs> super spinatus muscles of your rotator cuff into poor positions. A lot of guys will do like very light overhead presses. Sometimes nowadays what I'll see is people head over to the mats, which this is a step in the right direction. You should actually probably be trying to mobilize before you're actually taking weights of any description and mobilizing that way, right? A lot of times I'll see guys go over to the corner and you're doing a deep low lunge, like a yoga style low lunge, but you alternate feet, which is a 
again, a step in the right direction of what we should be doing, but how much, how wide are we supposed to be doing it? What are we looking for? What are our goals? What comes before what? Right? What comes before what? Warm-ups should be samey, and they should be focused on the movement for the day. So depending – hold on. Actually, let me take that back. They should be focused on the types of moves that you're – It first should be samey. So get in some global body mobilization, right? Go into your pikes. Go into a back bend. Warm up your obliques. Make sure your T-spine is mobile, right? Your, your rib cage, basically. Make sure your hips, which are often super locked up, are really lubricated and ready for action. That should be the warm-up that you engage in. A lot of this stuff can be done on the mats, on the floor, face down, right? Or supine, where you're lifting your legs, knees to chest. It basically is going to look like some sort of, like you know it's like 22nd century yoga vinyasa like it's gonna look like a yoga vinyasa warm-up but a little bit more aggressive <laughs> okay and you can go to coachyoncscs.com and find more types of not just workouts but body weight and calisthenic mobility moves i had a full program that highlights this now, if you're working for something that is very complex, like you're looking to increase your vertical overall, right? Maybe even you're going to practice inside the gym, jumping really high. Maybe, maybe you're just in the gym to do your shoulder presses, right? Depending on how complex the move, obviously working your vertical inside the gym is going to be a little bit more complex than doing military presses. If the math for the day is doing something that's more complex, a lot of counter loading and then loading, right? Stretch shortening cycle stuff. Could be trunk rotation. All this stuff is a little bit more complex than just doing a compound lift. If it's more complex, you need to actually focus your warm up on those muscle groups. So if it's a vertical, you need to be working on those hamstrings. You need to be working in a stretch shortening cycle where the hips get flexed and the hamstrings too. Glutes are stretched, quads are stretched. If you're doing trunk rotation, you got to spend a lot of time doing supine floor wipers with your knees bent, right? Or doing T-spine twists for the day. Because you're doing a complex move, you want to target the area that you're going to specifically work for the day. That's what your warm-up should be. So you should probably spend about five minutes doing something global and then another five minutes targeting the muscle groups that are going to be put through multiplanar moves. That's the math for the day for your warm-up. That's what comes before what. It should be progressive, knowing that in six months, you should be able to do that warm-up a minute faster with more mobility, more stability. The greater you use your limbs, the more you use your limbs to separate from your base, right? Like if you're in one of those low lunge positions, how long can you stay in that low lunge position before you start to fall over and fall out of it and then look all like, you know, you had too much of uh, the mimosas, you know, how long can you stay in that position? That's progressive. That's a progression that shows you that you uh, achieved or 
added more mobility to your movement pattern. It should also and can also include the treadmill, right? Like treadmill fitness where you're just doing the treadmill, but what are we looking for? I would honestly like to say that the first thing out of all this, if you're one person that goes to use the machines to warm up, it doesn't matter necessarily what machine. We love the treadmill because it doesn't ask us to do a lot more than what we've been doing already, which is walking. You don't have to think about it. It gets your heart rate up if you turn the speed up or the incline resistance up. It's already there. You're already doing it. It's just moving one in front of the other. It's your gait. You don't have to think about it, and it's it's there. It's easy. It's underneath you, right? It's not like you have a treadmill where you have to use your hands. You know, it's very intuitive. If that's the case, I would say that that a lot of us like that, and you don't have to shy away from the treadmill. Do that first. But we're looking to get your heart rate into the aerobic threshold, right? So that needs to be done in as fast as you possibly can. Two minutes, three minutes. Some of us like to be there for 10. If you're doing that, you better be jamming out, right? Because we're leaking energy at that point. We're leaking energy. We're leaking all the sources of creatine, for example, that we might need for our lifts. Yeah, just in our legs, but what if you're someone that warms up on the airdyne, the assault bike, the wind bike, or you do the arm ergometer or the ski erg? All of these are options nowadays, all right? So if that's the thing, we need to get our heart rate past aerobic threshold and into active steady state. Then we need to do the movement pattern that's global and we focus on more muscle group if we're doing complex microcycle work. Number two, microcycle goals matter the most. All right. We need to understand, all right, that what matters the most is the reason, is the why. I've I've talked to a lot of coaches and they've recited back to me, you need to understand the why. Why are you willing to train really hard? Why are you willing to drive all the way out to this gym or that gym? Why matters the most, okay? So when we're in the gym, we need to already be attuned to the why. Why am I going to work my chest today? Seriously, why am I going to do that? You need to think about this and have adequate veracity for the type of workout that you're doing for the day as you would telling one of your friends that you approve of their fiance or something. It needs to be a why that's answered in a serious tone. A lot of us just go in the gym, we look around and we're like, yeah, that shiny. No, we have to actually have a process for thinking about it and vetting that. It's good. All right. Workout order matters a lot. Okay, it's the most important reason, but we need to spend time thinking about the global goal for the day. That's your microcycle. That matters first. Every other move then has to assist that. So number three is going to be address the energy concerns first. How much energy have do you have still to donate to that microcycle goal? Yo, your microcycle goal is to perfect the front squat. And to perfect your front squat, you're going to be working on form. Well, we're working on form. We're not doing three rep maxes. We're going to do 18 rep maxes, 25 rep maxes. We want to make sure that the smallest muscle groups engage, 
right, that we're pressure sensitive with those muscle groups as we're working so that those muscle groups stay engaged for longer periods of time. We know the big muscles can handle the load, but it's the smaller muscle adaptations that need to be serviced more. We need to ask our neurology to get deeper into those muscle bellies to, I guess, flesh out fine motor unit adjustment. That's what we need. And so to do that, we need to keep the weights light. Inside the world of Pilates, right, you're doing things for maybe too rigid of a rep count, but it's never like five. It's always higher rep counts because we talked about it before. Muscle fibers that respond to tension versus which one or heavy tension versus which one which ones respond to extension of surrounding muscle groups. All right. This is more of the second one. This is more of the latter. So we stay lighter. And so now if we stay lighter for the day, all the rest of the moves that we have to do for that microcycle are going to assist that. We're not going to go and do like clapping plyo pull-ups unless we're doing legs and we can preserve energy for doing our legs, right? You don't go ahead and do heavy bench press and follow that up with clapping pull-ups. You don't go ahead and do... 10 rep max bench press followed up by 10 rep deep push-ups. Look, if you're trying to sculpt, yeah, ideally you want to go that route. You know what I'm saying? You want to go the route where you're doing all the work you can inside of a given time frame. Work, of course, having to do with sets times reps times the load that you work under. Okay. You want that to be pretty high up there, but if we're looking for performance and strength, we need to be a little bit more detailed about what we do, all right? That means you don't smash the entire system just to get a pump. That means you don't just say, hey, I'm just going to work my entire you know, leg muscle system, and then I'm going to go for a sprint right after. You're not looking. You might get gains, but they're going to be temporary. You might be stuck at that same weight stack for a while. Trust. There's a way to continue getting stronger over time. Believe that. If you stay super active and stay conserving your energy. All right. And number four, we want to end with the highest possible heart rate variable that you can inside the gym. I call this a finisher. So what I'll do is I'll have everybody do an intense version of a different exercise. Maybe we did arms all day. Excuse me, upper body all day. Well, now we're going to work our legs. Go grab a kettlebell. Two minutes on. Here's the number that I want you guys to try to go for. Legs are fresher than our upper body might be. And we're so we're going to be able to get a very high working heart rate because of it. Right? There's still gas in the tank. There's still electricity inside your EV. We're going to be able to get that heart rate really, really high. And that's that high heart rate variable that we want to get to at the end of the day on a great, microcycle workout all right so it's number one warm-up should relatively be samey more muscle focused depending on the complex movement pattern that you decide number two right your microcycle goals are gonna matter the most if you haven't even decided you're like um yeah i'm gonna go do that over there well we didn't think about it too much because Number three, you need to address how much energy you use to get those gains cracking for the day. If you have no clue, you're going to blow out all your energy 
doing overhead uh, handstand push-ups and then going over to the bench press press-out machine and loading the full weight stack on there. So pointless. Number four, getting the highest heart rate you can, whether that's high rep or high intensity work for short amount of time. Okay. Your cool down, anything you can do to bring that heart rate down as slow as you can. Maybe it's mobilizing a little bit more, but it's really just kind of, I think of it as turning the knob on your pressure pressure cooker and letting all that steam fly out the system. All right. So that's the move. That's the what that comes before the what and the after. So you won't have to ask yourself. All right. So no more treadmill fitness for you guys. Make sure that you are attuned to what you're doing inside the gym. The whys are answered. And now you know what comes before what. And I hope you guys can get after it. All right. Let me know how that goes. Coach Johan CSCS.com. Fill the form out at the bottom. Apple Podcasts, rate the show. And let me know. All right. Hope this one finds you doing good for the rest of the week. And until then, stay all the way up.